Ladies and gentlemen, we are live! This is the moment you all have been waiting for! It's time for the global sensation, the one, the only, the undisputed heavyweight podcast in the world, the past timber construction podcast. In this very special guest episode of the Mass Timber Construction Podcast, we speak to Tamika Smith, who is the founder and director of the Top 100 Women, who's made her mission to build up women in the construction industry. Top 100 Women supports women entering the industry and gives them the support they need to build long and meaningful careers. Now, people from industry are flocking to Top 100 Women to get the expertise and advice that can help them to retain women in the workforce. Please listen to my very special guest, Tamika Smith, as we discuss what it means to have diversity inclusion as part of our construction sector around the world and how this relates to a global awareness of the attributes and the commitment that women can make to a significant stakeholder engagement within the construction industry. Please enjoy my conversation with Tamika. Tamika, thank you very much for joining us on the Mass Timber Construction Podcasts. Slightly different podcast um, <laughs> in relation to the fact that, you know, women in construction and diversity in construction is a significant topic right now. And I know you're very passionate about it. And people like Danny Roberts from Oricon, who've been involved in Mass Timber projects such as 25 King Street, are notable inclusions in industry for Mass Timber Construction. But we're here to talk to you today. So tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do. And I know you have two parts. You have a construction hat on and you also do something else with construction and women. So please give us a bit of an understanding of what you do. Yeah, thank you. So I have, um, I initially founded TSR Property Solutions, which is a development project management business, business, and then off the back of that, uh, founded My Bella Casa, which is a manufacturing business specialising in affordable housing and regional tourism. Um, and then Top 100 Women is an online platform we founded in partnership with Builders Academy, uh, BHP and Simmons Homes, which is an online platform specifically to address the key obstacles for women in construction. Excellent. And, you know, the top 100 women in the country, in Australia mainly, how long has this been running for? The top 100 women initially was something that I just featured 100 women for, and that was post-winning awards uh, for my own business when people started to say, you know, you're in construction, we don't know many women. And I sort of say, I'm actually not the only one. So we started just by featuring 100 women. It was when it uh, soon scaled into Europe, America, and it was featured all over the world that we had a lot of people saying, you know, Tamika, what are you doing with this organisation? So we launched the online platform beginning of last year. Um, so it's been, the, the platform itself has been advancing and extending 
for well over about 18 months now, um, which has just continued to expand. So, so, yeah, some of the largest construction companies ensure now that every woman within their business has access to this platform to ensure that they can get the education, to ensure that they can learn and grow and have the best chance of succeeding in the industry. And in terms of participation by women in construction, you know, you're obviously a lady that's in construction yourself. How do you think it's sort of changed in recent times? I think there seems to be a lot more awareness of the the different traits that women and men can bring to any industry. So I do think a lot of the focus, particularly within my own business, has been more so on the values and the outcomes as opposed to the production of the how and the bricks and the mortar and the hammer. Everything I do traditionally, you know, within social and affordable housing, for women in construction, they're all things that I care sincerely about both in my values uh, but also in the outcomes we can produce from working in an industry like construction. So that has changed, I think, which has drawn the attention of more women because it's not being pitched suddenly to them as, hey, do you want to play with hammers and nails? It's, um, you know, look at the incredible outcomes and look at the incredible vehicle that construction, you know, construction can, can lead you to. And I think um, one of the things that I've been talking about for a long time is that technology seems to be a great equaliser. You talk about hammers and picking up shovels and working on a building site, for example, and it's very manual labour oriented. But now with Mm. technology transforming construction through a manufacturing system, you have a diversity of jobs that have been available for no matter what gender, um, what diverse background you come from. And equal opportunity seems to come through that technology. Is that what you're sort of finding at the moment in your own business and in others? Yeah, look, there certainly is a lot of advancement in the tech side, uh, which is great. I think the the awareness of, you know, construction being the third largest, largest contributor to our economy has also um, broadened. And also I think it stems from a young age when construction was initially looked at by most parents as a lesser option. You know, if you dropped out of school, that's, that's the career pathway you take. I think as the reputation and the culture is building and we know people like David Chandler, the building commissioner, is doing a great job at, at, at addressing the cultural aspects of construction. And as we're seeing more female role models step up, we are seeing parents in particular from a young age actually shift their perspective of construction being a viable option for their children to get into. And that's really where it all starts, is ensuring the parents know, hey, one, this is a safe option for your daughter to come into. Two, they're going to get the support that they need. And three, it actually can be an incredibly financially and and, um, emotionally rewarding career pathway, not just a, hey, leave year 10 and go get a trade. And are you seeing any significant advantages that women bring to construction that might not necessarily be offered by men? Yeah, look, I think we've we've always adapted a fairly um, harmonious approach to the balance that we're seeking in the industry. We've never created a competitive nature by any means where we, we play off women versus men. Um, and I think that's why we've had so much support from all the guys going, yeah, you know, we want our daughters, they're going to be leaving these companies, we want them involved. But we do see naturally... 
women will often have, um, you know, better negotiation skills. Uh, they come in from a different approach. I think a lot of my skill set was derived in being very non-threatening as a younger female in a traditionally older male segment. And that definitely did assist me to get to the places I needed to get to, uh, coming in from a uh, more of a feminine approach. So initially, I think you come into construction, we were all told when we first started, you've got to be a man to succeed. You know, you've got to be aggressive, you've got to be like great blokes. And I think we all tried it and then we went, this is exhausting <laughs> and this is so not who we are. Um, but, you know, what about if we were authentic in our own traits that's different than men and, you know, we come in from a, from a different angle. And I think particularly I've learned in my career, you can be kind and assertive um, and you can still um, play to your own strengths without having to become something you're not. And look, I've got three daughters and one of the things I'd say that characterises them differently to my son and myself is the capacity for empathy and in a a very abrasive and at times very adversarial construction, especially around contract negotiation times, (laughs) um, I think that there's a calmness that, that women bring to the table that you've mentioned. But the empathy building is an interesting point. Have you got any comments? on capacity for empathy with women that's different to men? Yeah, look, absolutely. I think, um, you know, the male counterparts that, that I work with see things very differently um, to the way that I know all the women within our business see things. And if you look at everything I've built in the businesses, both in social and affordable housing, a lot of it, you know, when we focus on women at 55 being the largest on the social housing wait list, a lot of my passion was being derived from going, hey, that's our grandmothers. If you look at what we just recently did, even as an example with the I Stand for Kelly movement um, and getting the entire industry together to build a house in, in 48 hours or getting the commitment to build a house in 48 hours like we did, that was all very driven through empathy. And I think there, there was a big point for me in that as an example where we really wanted to make a point this is relatable to all of us. This isn't just that person. And I think as people, we have the tendency to disassociate and go, oh, that that happens to those people and not happens to us. But I think, um, you know, that's a perfect example of where we went, no, this this affects all of us and everyone got involved, including the guys, because we were able to go, this isn't something that affects only those people. You know, women over 55, that's our mum. That's not our drug addicts. That's not the drug addicts we think. That's not the alcoholics that we criticise when we're walking down the street. That's our mum. So I think there's been a lot of awareness recently around statistics like that, which has united people. And I think that's, that's where construction is really cool because we have the capacity to deliver some of those outcomes that other industries may potentially may not. And for our international listeners, just tell us a little bit about Kelly's story that you mentioned earlier, because I think most people don't really understand that outside of Australia. Can you share just a brief synopsis of what's actually happened there? Yeah, sure. So Kelly uh, Kelly, Kelly was a, the, the victim of domestic violence um, and was tragically murdered um, two months ago now and, and left behind three, three beautiful children from the ages of... Um, six, four, and two. Reese and Danielle, which is um, Kelly's sister, Reese uh, is my brother-in-law, they stepped up to say, look, we're going to look after these kids. 
So they had five children of their own um, and unquestionably they stepped up and went, look, we're not going to let these kids down. We're going to take them in. Now, seeing the logistics of that, I went and met the kids um, and, and seen them and, and the little two-year-old girl grabbed my hand and called me mummy. And I think at that point it really hit my heart to go, we can't walk away from this. You know, I, I think that the tragic thing in Kelly's circumstances that Here's a woman who left a situation that was bad. Here's a woman who did everything she could, enforcing ABOs, you know, to, to ensure that she was protected and her kids, you know, reporting to the police when there was a breach of an ABO. She did everything. And this still happened. How did that happen, first of all? But how do we show these kids that the world isn't a bad place when they've just lost both of their parents only a matter of months before they lost their grandmother? In, in tragic circumstances, how do we show these kids that there are good people and, and you know change that perspective on the world when they effect, when they've effectively experienced so much heartache in such a short period of time? So we put out a campaign. So we're going to build this house. Going to build these kids a house. You know how how does any family care for eight kids? You know, and the, what I love about those guys is they went, we're going to do it, and they didn't they didn't question anything. But we wanted to help with the logistical side of things. How do you house eight kids? You know, how do you ensure they've all got the adequate space? So we put a call out and said, we're going to build a house for these kids. And we gathered the entire construction sector together. And it was overwhelming. You know, within 48 hours, Metricon Imes put their hand up and said, we'll, we'll build the house. We had enormous donor, donor at the block land. Um, we had so many call outs. We had Harvey Norman call outs. Um, Bunnings, I think, reached out as well. Every person I knew in the industry, Fujitsu, National Tiles, they all called me and said to me, what have we got to do to build these kids a house? And I think that was that was such a heartwarming experience for an industry that has over 90% men. There was 90% of men in the industry that stood up and went, we're not okay with what happened. And as men ourselves, we're not okay with domestic violence, so we're going to do something about it. And I think that was the fantastic thing that came out of such a tragic circumstance was saying to these kids, we're not okay with it and we're not just going to bury our heads in the sand and say, sorry, this is another tragic circumstance as an industry and we're going to get together and do something about it, which was a fantastic outcome for an industry that's known for just being ruthless and it's in some ways. And I think for everyone that's uh, listening to the podcast, you know, it made the news. It was a big deal. Uh, I know you featured on the news and um, I guess, you know, the thing that probably stands strong in the Australian community is when there is issues of domestic violence. Um, you know, there are some things that are abhorrent to men, even though men at times can be um, very harsh themselves, but certainly some things pull at your heartstrings and I think this was one of those moments and and to hear the rise to the challenge and to support it's no different to the empathy people have when there's bushfires or there's floods or there's storm damage and and to hear that it sort of had a, a connection to you personally and to have that call out is a testament to who you are and what you stand for and I think you know that's part of the empathy 
empathy capacity that people do have. Unfortunately, it doesn't pervade throughout the industry because there's still a commercialism when we talk yeah, about course, yeah. commercial projects. But certainly at times you can, you know, really rise up and meet the challenge. And I guess that leads into the next sort of question, and that is, you know, how, how do you assess when people, ladies apply to, women apply to the, the website, how do you assess the criteria of who hits number one versus who hits number 100 in terms of rankings? Yeah, look, it's a tough one. So what, what we have, I guess, the, the best way to explain the platform is it's like a Facebook, LinkedIn and Seek. So we have the annual awards where we list the top 100. Um, however, we do have the platform there that anyone can become a member of and anyone can apply. Like if you look at TAFE Queensland as an example, Builders Academy, they've actually said, you know, the women who study with us are going to have access to this community because we want to connect them to employment outcomes. We want to connect them to studying further opportunities post what they're doing with us. And we want to ensure their success, um, which, which is the, the main purpose of all of those guys wanting their women in there. In terms of how the awards are selected, so we actually made a point of saying we aren't just going to feature women who are at the top of their careers. We know that women come in at very junior levels and they scale to the top. So how do we recognise the people that have still done incredibly well? If you're a first-year apprentice, you know, how do we recognise those people? And that was the biggest difference with these awards. We had some incredible women and the stories were overwhelming from people, you know, emailing in going, look, this person had a terrible upbringing, was homeless from, you know, the age of 10 and worked really hard and they're now second-year electrician. Um, it's apprenticeship that they're going through um, and they're ticking all the boxes and they've just got this new job and just the stories of hearing some of those. We, we got the board to select and had a strict criteria and governance around that. But those people deserve the recognition and I think it's so important that, we are giving women that because the, the incredible thing about this community is that these women were flying under the radar had never been really acknowledged. And they were strategically flying under the radar too, right? If you're a blue fish and amongst a room full of green fish, you're going to try and be a green fish because it's just human instinct. So when we actually called them out and said, hey, we want to acknowledge the work you're doing, it spoke wonders of just how underrepresented and unacknowledged they were. Um, but, it, but it was great to see, you know, people of all calibres, not just the CEOs, people of all different levels be recognised for the work that they're doing in this industry. And I think the key thing with all that is, you know, the awards are there, but really what the platform's about is trying to normalise women's participation in construction. That's what it sounds like. And if you're doing that through education, training and pathway building and you're facilitating the voice, because just having a voice, not being, you know, I think you said the green fish, blue fish, you want to be the green fish. Well, no, you can be the blue fish and you can have a voice and I guess this provides that platform for that to be able to coexist so that there's a an and proposition, not an or proposition. It's not men and then people that are disguised as men, it's men and women participating in the same industry. And I think that's a really noble attribute. And I think going back to your comment at the start, it's about values, right? And so you're articulating yeah. the value people can bring. And it seems to me the platform then gives you a a sensibility about place because I think 
Once you acknowledge you are in construction and you are a woman and you have a place, I think then you have a sense of ownership over it rather than being, as you said, hidden under the radar. Yeah, it definitely has, you know, everyone wants everyone wants something that they can it's a human instinct. We all want to belong. And I think um, you know, having this community, all of a sudden people have that sense of, hey, I really belong. You know, I went to New York a couple of years ago before COVID and the amount of people that were wanting to meet with me from all different companies all over the world because of the top 100 women. It's a fiercely loyal community. So every woman within there has found great value, both in the events that we host, you know, whether that's, you know, getting education from the senior leaders uh, through to the CPD points that we've got coming up, as well as our Women Connecting Women series, all of them have found great value in the networks, which is one of the biggest key contributors to women's success in the industry is having that network to go, hey, I'm in this difficult situation, what do I do? Hey, you're a project manager, what have you studied? Who do I speak to? What pathway do I follow? And if you can't connect women, ultimately you're not going to see them succeed. And what do you think the future trends will be for women in construction? Now you've got the platform, you mentioned CPD. What other initiatives are you sort of planning to facilitate and support a growing network? Look, we've, one of the things that we've recently set out was um, maternity leave access and free in our community. So we know that if you do leave the industry to, to go have a child, it's harder to connect women back in male-dominated segments post them leaving. So certainly one of the initiatives we've, we've, we've put together is maternity leave access for free, which was something that was really important to us to ensure that women who do leave the industry to go have a child can easily be connected and stay connected to their peers. That means they need to have access to the education, the advancements, the trends that are coming through, but also their network, which is important to us. So we have our, our monthly events that we host. We also have our monthly member events which is exclusive to all of our members of top under women we have the educational pathways we also have the jobs opportunities so any corporate can post their jobs and they can directly apply but the main thing for us is ensuring that we are connecting the education to these women directly to ensure that they are scaling within the right field of what they want to do if you had a boss as an example who was fearing their own job security they're likely not going to educate you <laughs> because that's their position, that's their turf. Suddenly, if you can connect the education to women directly, if you're an executive assistant, as an example, noting women come in at junior levels and they scout to the top, or maybe you're a receptionist and you want to learn project management, this gives you the capacity to take your future into your own hands and do just that. And um, if a company is listening and says, look, I really want to get involved and I want my team to be supportive, I understand that there's a participation uh, access point for individuals. Is there the same for companies or organisations that wish to get involved? There absolutely is. So we have a corporate membership, uh, which allows the corporate company to have their own access. We also have corporate packages. So for any company that, for example, we just onboarded another company last week of over 100 women in their community, we have corporate packages to access them. So the individual memberships will start from as low as 139. And for the packages, we scale that upwards as well. Um, so, so downwards in cost due to the volume that they have upwards. Um, so 
we, we ensure it's affordable. If you look at some of the memberships, you know, we all pay as corporates, some of the bigger associations, where they're around $800. But noting that we want to appeal to that junior, as well as the senior exec, we made sure it was affordable and accessible for everyone. Excellent. And a little bit of a side tangent here. Uh, how are your organisations running? How are you dealing with COVID? And, you know, what sort of exciting things have you got coming up in the prefab modular space? Yeah, look, the prefab module space has taken off really quickly. We've got about three government projects underway. We've got a winery project development underway as well. Uh, all of those are lodged at the moment with council. Uh, but our plan range is extending further and further to ensure that we're building homes, not just a house. You know, giving giving people the dignity of a, and not just that dollar with the prefab has associated to it for so long. But actually creating beautiful homes. So based on everything that we're seeing, we're scaling up as quickly as we possibly can. We know there's a limitation in um, delivery for a lot of people, but we haven't had that. So we're still we're getting people now approach us to go, hey, can you get houses to us before Christmas? And absolutely, we can. You know, we we've got. Four, we've got two bedrooms, as an example, at the moment, 66 square metre dwellings that would normally cost on a concrete 180 to 200, something that we can now deliver for around 130, 140 installed, completed. And that's what we do. We do turnkey packages, right? So we don't just go, there's the house. We actually get it installed. We get it delivered. And we can build that in three or four weeks. So that's the biggest difference in what we're seeing. And part of the reason we extended that way is because we were consumers. We were consumers in that space going, God, it's so hard to connect the dots. You know, I go to this person and they say, great, we can do this, but then you've got to deliver it. Okay, well, who's going to install it? And just trying to marry up those dots was so bloody hard, which is why we created the business in the first place. So we're having a lot of people come to us, government, private developers and going, hey, can you just do all of it? <laughs> and I think with our capacity, mm-hmm. we've got the capacity under TSR to develop it. My Bella Casa can build it. So it's been a great synergy, I think, for all the companies to come together and do a turnkey solution to make it really easy for people. Yeah, fantastic. And look, we've run out of time, but if people want to get in touch with you for the top 100 women, what's the website address for that, please? So top100women.com.au. And mybellacasa.com.au for manufacturing. And Tamika, you have been absolutely amazing. The stories that you've shared with us and the participation um, that you're looking for, inclusion with women in construction, is something to be marvelled at. Uh, are there any last comments you'd like to make before we close out? <laughs> No, I think we I think we've covered it all. I think construction is is a really good career path for, for, for women as we're seeing now. So I think it'd be great to see more girls get involved, uh, and particularly in a supportive environment like top of the women. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time. That has been absolutely amazing. And we look forward to watching your work from the sidelines. And if anyone wants to get involved, we'll put the links to your both your websites in the uh, show notes. And thanks very much for your time this afternoon. No worries at all. Thanks for your time.